Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this fine radio program, Smokin' and Toastin'. It's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. I didn't want to do too big today for the for the show open because next week is the 100th episode, and I wanted to save a really... So, so are we purposefully yeah. keeping it yeah, on just, the down low? Just keeping it on the DL a little bit today, just, you know, just so I've got something left in the Cause, tank. Because episode 99... Yes, it's a big It's just not as important as episode But one. it is a big deal. 99, <laughs> 99 is a big deal. We're brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave. Yeah, nine million nine hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine tears to go. Was that? That was question mark in the Mysterians. I'm so unimpressed with myself. That you I got me that. on that. One. Yeah, uh, we're brought to you by B and B Butchers and Restaurant, uh, eighteen fourteen Washington Ave in Houston, and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. Uh, ninety nine nine ninety nine lines about no. 99 Red Balloons. 99 Red Balloons. And was it, it was 88, the song I was thinking of was 88 Lines About 44 Women. That was one of those <laughs> new wave songs back in the 80s. Okay. Uh, but enough of that. Welcome to the show. It's all about cigars and craft beer and 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 fine spirits. And uh, my name is Ian. No, wait. No, my name's not Ian. My name is Cruz. That backwards. Ian is, uh, is here in the studio. And, uh, and we also have, uh, as a special guest today, the return of... The very first special guest we had on the show. Now this is his third time on. This is his third. Yes, Mark Nichols is with us. Our, he's so fun. Our return, our return uh, guest. So he's going to be drinking beer with us, telling us what he's up to these days because he has uh, uh, headed out on a new venture that I think is very interesting. Because I, I, I'm hoping that a lot of bars in our area. Uh, avail themselves of his services. Yes, I really do because it can it can make the beer. This, it's going to be interesting. You get to see a, a little bit better. of the other yeah. side of the bar, so to speak. So I want everybody to know that Ian called me, or I, actually, I think he texted me, and then I called him back. But um, he contacted me this week and said, "I get the beers covered for the show this week because uh, normally I'll bring in the beers, or I'll bring in a couple of them, and Ian will bring one in. And, and but every now and then, Ian's like, I got it." Uh, so he tells me I got it this week, and then you dropped the bomb on me, baby, of what you were bringing in. Uh, Ian has brought in, to, and I've never tasted it before, and I'm so excited. You brought in Pliny the Elder. I did. Finally, after now you've you've tasted this before, but for me, I've been reading about it for a couple of years, mm-hmm. and it is not available for sale in mm-hmm. in Texas, which is where we live. And I look for it every time I go out of state, but I've never actually found it and grabbed it. So, uh, so I'm very excited. Uh, do you want to relay how this uh, how this came to be? I in sure do. Uh, I'm in a. Uh a uh, brewing slash social club called CCSD. You may see me wear the shirts from time to time. The Connoisseur's Club of Smoking and Drinking. And we have a member who moved out to California. And every year we have a what we call road trip where we all go camping. And he drives in every year. But he brings, because he drives this big old van. <laughs> um, it, I mean, it, it's, it, it's a beer. creepy looking van, too. It looks like he's about to abduct somebody at any given time. <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> Tell them do not drive near schools. No. Just don't. Just don't. Yeah. Uh. Um, but anyway, no. He fills it up with a bunch of beer that you just can't get here. Yeah. And so he drives in, and then he sells. You know, he we we do some tasting and stuff, but then he sells us some of the beers because you know he's trying to recoup you know for his trip and everything like that, and we gladly you know overpay for some of these beers and yes, says, here you go man fantastic yeah. um but he brings great beers and i've bought a few uh i bought a few from him one of them was Pliny the elder now it's not the freshest bottle yeah 
but it is Pliny the Elder. We'll talk about so, that. Yeah, we're, so we're at least happy about that. And I also have a, a second offering that he brought as well. Okay, you want to talk about that? Tell us what we're, tell us what we're looking forward to today. Well, I can't remember the, the entire name of it. So well, you that's give all right. You moment. can pull it out of the cooler there. And, and, uh, and I know you got a, a cool Shiner beer, too. I did. I did. I actually brought the uh, Dewberry Tart, the Brewer's Pride Dewberry Tart, which... The, that should be awesome. Yes, it's it's very interesting. And so this is barrel aged, proudly brewed in Northern California. It says beer is agriculture. It's farm so to barrel, isn't it? Almanac Beer Company. This is the farm to barrel. Nice sour. That is so nice. Yeah, we're pretty sour. Uh, so it's sour, a sour stout. Sour stout sour aged stout. in Woodford Reserve bourbon barrels with orange peel and cherries. So I'm pretty excited about that one. Yeah, that and, it's pretty awesome. And true to form, that is a nine percent beer. True to form. Well, good. We are looking forward to that. And I also understand that you've brought a spirit for today, which you're not telling me. About no, yet. it's a surprise one. Okay. So well. we're going to set aside that last segment today and okay. talk about that spirit. So I'll tell you what else we're going to try to set aside today. It's going to be a very full show as we get ready for show number one hundred, which we'll talk about in a minute but also on today's show we're going to be bringing you we hope it's it's in its final stages at the editor now and it's supposed to be ready before the show's over so we can bring it to you uh but a montage of our misadventures at the houston whiskey social this last week which i just want to go on the record as saying still the greatest a spirit beverage event i've ever been to ever and it was just such a good time. It was amazing. I had a blast at this thing. It was amazing. An absolute blast. So, Chris uh, Hart, if you're if you're out there, and I know you often are, and Chris will be on our show next week on the 100th show, uh, but I I, uh, I just have to give you kudos, man. You really pull it off. Man, you know, so uh, if you wanted to go to that place I just like to point and out, have a bad time. I'd like to point out, I don't know if the, ca- if the camera is catching it or not, but Mark is about to shotgun a beer while we do the first segment. <laughs> That makes it easy to keep a straight face. Oh, that's so good. I just saw him poking the hole in the bottom, and I knew what was about to happen. Ah, life is good. But no, Chris. You did that in seconds. Did you see that? Yeah, no, it took no time at all. Uh, Chris Hart, you, you're you just a, you're, you're a master, uh, a master of, of the genre. If you, if you went to the Houston Whiskey uh-huh. Social with the intent of not having a good time, mm-hmm. you would fail. You would. Now, there was this great moment I have to tell you about. I saw Chris, uh, this was later in the evening, saw him disappear into the kind of like, you know, the uh, VIP room back where he and some of the other guys were, you know, had a little area to get away from it all for a moment because it was pretty crazy there. I saw him come out with a bottle. I don't now remember what it was. I think it was some. The uh, old rip. Old, maybe, maybe. Saw him come out with the bottle and he's holding the bottle like underneath it like this. And people are just walking past him with their glasses, and he's just poor, poor, yeah. poor. And I thought, that must be what it's like to be Santa Claus. He you know? is so generous with the absolute rarest, like, oh, holy grail bourbons you can possibly he's, find. He's pouring it like it's Jack Daniels, you know. He poured some of that old old rip in my wife's glass, and he <clears> gave her an incredibly generous pour, to which she actually wouldn't even try anything else till she was done. She was just covering oh, that oh, glass. Oh, I remember how much. Because that, that that stuff for for uh, an ounce and a half, I believe at uh, at most places is like ninety dollars. I know it's crazy. Yeah, it's yeah. Nuts. And he was just pouring it like it was mm-hmm. you know. Here you like, go. Yeah. So, all right. So a lot going on on the show today, including and man, I really hope we have time to get this. Um, there's a new beer that's out that is brewed with the essence of a woman. 
And that's all I'm going to say for now. I'm a little bit speechless. Yeah, uh, (laughs) I should say. So we'll have that story coming up. Plus, we're going to talk about the 100th show free-for-all, which is next week. I'm so psyched. That's going to be fun. It's going to be just completely off the chain. He's going to be back. He's going to be on two shows back-to-back. Oh, yeah. Well, And that'll be a first, I think, for uh, for a guest, right? To be on two shows back-to-back. So we have that coming up. There's update on the uh, ongoing cigar lawsuit uh, deal. So we'll we'll tell you about that. And... um, Wow, there's just there's so much on today's show, but uh, I guess I should take this moment uh, to ask you, as we so enjoy doing, if you uh, smoked anything interesting this week. I know? do. I have something to say about cigars. Yeah, cigars good. Yeah, I I, I like your your commentary, and I <laughs> and I second I second that. Cigars emotion. good. I you know I, I ran across every once in a while I find something that's just fun, mm-hmm. and uh, I ran across these uh, Perdomo. Champagnes, which which are good. That's a great like mild cigar. Sometimes even almost in a medium range, depending on the size you get, the the flavor will be a little bit bigger. But they had a one called a sun grown, and I hadn't seen that. And you know, the sun grown tobaccos always have a little bigger, fuller flavor, mm-hmm. a little more robust. Um, yeah. And I believe that's the 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 uh, top of the plant. Mm-hmm. Basically, that right. gets the most sun. So those that's, leaves yeah. get more sun. Those, those are more, separated. Yeah, a little more fragrant. Yeah. Little, yeah. So anyway, and the size I bought was interesting because it was like four inches by forty-four. Mm-hmm. This is a small, small cigar, especially for you because you're Mister Big right. Ring Gauge. Yeah. But I bought them specifically because I thought, you know what, these are great for tossing into your pocket, especially if you're wearing a jacket or something. It's not going to, you know, mm-hmm. beat it up and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's great to just toss one in your pocket and bam, I got a cigar. And it's a short smoke. You know, it's a twenty-minute smoke right. or less. You know. So that was I was motivated by all these things, and then I took no real reason to uh, smoke it other than the fact that hey, I just want to smoke that cigar. So I did. Um, it was delicious. It was everything you expect from a uh, Perdomo Champagne, uh, except for it had a bigger, fuller profile overall. It had um, it had a little bit of pepperiness, and it was a little more um, towards the medium, the full range as well, mm. even from such a small cigar. So the uh, the initial smell on this was a little champagne, a little uh, earth, a little leather. Champagne. Sorry, I meant a little <laughs> earth and leather. It is a champagne. I, I, uh, I was still rolling. You're with still you. following me, yeah, right? Yeah. And um, and it has that really nice uh, uh, sun drenched kind of uh, uh, like slightly darker, uh, but still very very light colored wrapper. Um, this is a uh, uh, let me see here. Say uh, where is it? Oh, Nicaraguan sun grown wrapper. That's what I was looking for. So uh, the the flavor profile on this thing was wonderful. It's it's uh, this nice traditional tobacco kind of Cuban seed kind of flavor going on. Um, it's the 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 filler's a little on the um, lighter side, but as you're smoking the cigar, about a third in, it starts building up a little bit. You get a little bit of pepper, a little bit of spice, but not a lot, not not a big punch. But the fullness and the flavor comes from the overall like earth and leather of mm-hmm. this thing. It's just it's just pretty. So it's massive. less about the spice and the pepper, more about the right sort of the under, earth and the leather. Yeah. yeah, and it really really comes through and goes great with almost everything you put it with. Now okay. I've always. Um, uh, married these with uh, with a scotch, especially like a Glenmorangie is one of my favorite combinations. Mm-hmm. Uh, for whatever reason, those things just blend together very well. I didn't have that luxury. I actually had a beer with it, and um, and it was fantastic. And That's then good. I had a cider with it, and it was fantastic. Nice. I smoked this thing down to where it was burning my fingers. It was a four dollar cigar, four and a half dollar cigar. I'm gonna give it a solid six. I enjoyed it wow, tremendously. Nice. It was a quick smoke. It burned perfectly. But I love four and a half bucks. For for, for like a little twenty minute yeah smoke 
That's yeah, awesome. and, and toss it in your pocket and don't worry about it beating up. All about the Perdomo's. Yeah, right? it was pretty nice. All about the Perdomo's. How about you? Well, I uh, realized, actually, after last week's show, that for a number of weeks in a row, I've, I've talked about fairly pricey cigars yep. that I've had uh, and, you know, have have loved uh, pretty much all of them. You're, you're letting out them. your inner cigar snob a little well, bit. Well, I, yeah, I thought so. So I thought it was time to balance the scales a little bit. Plus, I didn't want anybody thinking, you know, that I actually, like, had a lot of money because that would be a <laughs> i would feel like that would be presenting sort of a false image to uh to listeners of the show so uh so i i thought i'm gonna smoke an el cheapo this week and 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 talk about it on the show so uh and by the way in admitting that this is an el cheapo i think i put one of these in the batch of cigars that i gave you to like pay you back for all the cigars you brought mm-hmm. me in la so i probably owe you a couple cigars is what I'm <laughs> i think at. i think we're fine because i looked up the uh, value of this as i was smoking it and i was like uh-oh yeah i think ian may have gotten shortchanged on that deal but uh but no it, it was a nice looking el cheapo it was the odyssey habano toro I haven't smoked that yet. It's in my okay. Uh, so you know the cigar it's in my I'm humidor. It's got a little purple wrapper on it. Yeah. All right. So I, I take this thing out and I pull the little the, pull the cellophane off. I slide the cellophane on. I thought you know for an El Cheapo, this is a pretty nice looking cigar. For for those of you out there who uh, don't speak Spanish, El Cheapo is actually Spanish for the Cheapo. Yes, that's correct. Okay. And thank you for clearing just so that. you know. Thank you for clearing that up. Uh, but I thought you know it's 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 nice looking. It's not too rugged. You know, some sometimes you get the cheaper cigars. They look. Yeah, they look rough. cheap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> this one had a pretty medium brown wrapper. Uh, it's a Nicaraguan cigar, so that's one of the reasons that I had been excited about like uh, about it, even though it was less expensive. Because uh, you know, Nicaraguan tobacco mm-hmm. is pretty much most of my favorite smokes are Nicaraguan these days. So they made it with a Habana wrapper and Nicaraguan binder and filler. The pre-light on it though was pretty mellow, which surprised me a little. But then I thought, well, you know, this is probably cheaper tobacco, so mm-hmm. not. Uh, there was a little hint of cedar, and then I lit it up. And overall, I have to say first that I was really pretty impressed with the construction. Again, this is a cheaper cigar, so you're not expecting it to necessarily be rolled by the best rollers in the factory. Right. Uh, and this would burn just uh, beautifully. Again, for a cheaper cigar, no complaints on the construction. Main flavor component of this thing, not necessarily surprisingly, uh, seemed to be pepper. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was medium bodied. It wasn't full, but it was medium bodied. The pepper wasn't overwhelming, but it had that pepper element that mm-hmm. so much uh, Nicaraguan uh, tobacco has a tendency to have. Uh, there was not a great deal of complexity to the smoke, but it certainly wasn't unpleasant. It was just fairly straightforward, and and I enjoyed it. Now the price to quality is tough on this one because it was a good cigar, mm-hmm. certainly not great, but let's be real, it cost a dollar fifty. Oh, see. Yeah. That I, makes a difference. I went back and researched the price, thinking it was maybe a $2, $3 cigar, and I was going to say, yeah, you can do a little bit better than this in the budget category. But it was $1.50. So I'm going to give it a 5.5 on price wow. to quality. With 5 being you get what you pay for, I feel like, yeah, I got a little more than a buck fifty out of the thing. So I got to admit. Now, here's the deal. Last thought on this cigar, though. If you can spend... Two fifty or two seventy five on a cigar instead of a dollar fifty on the Odyssey Habano, you should do it because I can find you an option with a lot more complexity for that extra you know dollar and a quarter. Nico Libre, yeah, Nico Libre, the JR Edition Limitada mm-hmm. alternative to the Romeo and Julieta, yeah. uh, Hermosa Number no. One. Those are cigars that are in that two to three dollar range mm-hmm. that really are much more enjoyable than this cigar was. But if the budget's a dollar fifty. 
I'm sorry. This one. This I, one you know, I'm sorry. Good. It's it's hard to find a cigar that's pretty good, especially a for a dollar fifty. Right. Exactly. So that's a fine. If I, I if I wasn't complaining about you know yeah a, a, a day burnt paper at a dollar fifty, <laughs> I think it's a win. You know what I'm saying? Right. I think it's a win. All right. So we're going to return in just a moment with more uh, information about the uh, new beer made with the essence of women, and we'll return with uh, with Mark Nichols. How's that for making Mark Nichols sound like? He's pretty awesome. Yeah, he's pretty awesome. Yeah, he's bigger than life. Actually, he's just bigger than me. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm sorry. Smoking and Toasting <laughs> is live, and we'll be back. Thank you for listening. I heard him say one. Yeah, I look over it. Oh, here we go. Welcome back to Smoking Dustin, where I believe Mark has broken the headphones. Ah, <laughs> uh, life is good. Uh, welcome back to the show. It is uh, episode number 99 of Smoking and Toasting. We're brought to you by our good friends at B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston and the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. I am taking my wife to dinner at B&B this weekend. Very excited about it. Just, just decided it was time to go. I think our last segment of the show should be us just singing 99 bottles of beer on a wall yeah. all the way through. Have you ever actually done that? No. Never never made it all the way through. No. Yeah. Have you? I think I've made it as far as 70. 70? Yeah, yeah. that's about right. That's about, <laughs> that's about where you bail and go, this, this wasn't a great idea. <laughs> it sounded better when we, before we started. If you were actually taking one down and passing it around. Okay. So, Ian, uh, I have to explain. <laughs> I in, tried during the break. Ian actually opened that beer, and we didn't get the full sound. I did it on automatic. You put a beer in my hand that wasn't open, and I so I, you so know. you were trying to just put it, the top back on and open it, and that was less than spectacular. So now you're going to have to approximate the sound of opening the beer with your voice. Okay, can you do that? Here we go. Ian opening the first taster. That wasn't bad, actually. I'm going to give you a sort of a half-ass credit for that. <laughs> we do silly things on this show uh, from time. Well, so, you know. my wife went to the store the other day, and she goes, "Hey, I found this beer. I thought you might enjoy it because I do like um, sour and tart mm-hmm. ales. Mm-hmm. This is the Shiner's Brewers Pride um, Dewberry so, Tart. So, the Brewers Pride is like their special. It's sort of their." Um, their time when their brewmasters get to do something that they want I think to so, do because we had another really one uh-huh. uh we had a belgian um yes and it was quite good not too long ago it was quite yeah. uh quite good mm-hmm. so this is the dewberry tart this is ale brewed with wild dewberries i'm not sure what dewberries are do you I know don't what either. dewberries are i okay. have no okay, idea good. i don't feel so bad now because I, I grew up in the country so i know most berries i've picked most berries <laughs> do you know what a dewberry is mark a dewberry is extremely similar to a blackberry okay there are in fact, a lot of people confuse them as being the same. Um, one of them, uh, it, the main difference is the vine it grows. One of mm-hmm. them, uh, one of them grows on a bush. One of them grows on a vine. But and they're almost flavor identical. Flavor is similar. Very similar. You know, I'd just like to point out the last time Mark was on. There was some question like this. I don't remember what it was. We had no idea, and Mark just boom. The he was e right in there. Whiskey. 
<laughs> That's what it was. Was the Ian Whiskey? <laughs> this, is, this is the reason we bring this guy on the yeah. show. He is he's he's not only the beer poet. He's oddly knowledgeable about yes. and, all things. And I will say, in the past at least, he's brought some really awesome beers. So uh, so that's been a good thing. But today we're sampling this Shiner. This is the uh, the brew, say, uh, Give me the title again. This uh, is the Brewers Pride Dewberry Tart. And did we show that to the camera? Let's oh, make sure. We, here. Let's make sure we show that to the camera. camera. Brewers Pride Dewberry Tart. And I will say, I'm picking up a very sort of blackberry-ish uh, uh, aroma on the nose, for sure. It's uh, it's pretty darn good. Uh, the 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 pre-light sniff on this is the strong. The pre-light sniff. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. I have actually already tried this, and I'll tell you what my initial thoughts on this were after my first sip was, I don't know. Really? Yeah. I was like, I don't know. It's a little sweet, and it's a little tart, and I wasn't really sure. And then I took two more sips. Mm-hmm. And decided to really like it. Mm-hmm. it, but it takes three sips to really kind of enjoy. I thought, like for my own experience, that's interesting because the second sip did not seem quite as sweet as the first. Right, so the sweetness goes away and the tartness is a little less tart. So this is something and, that I've and noticed. creates a dryness to it. My wife and I were talking about this with uh, with champagne, sparkling wine this week. That uh, both of us have a very similar taste in sparkling wine. We don't like. The Prosecco, that sweeter uh, mm. sort of thing. We really like the dry, the brute. We really like the Spanish, the cava, brute cava. Mm. And um, we both don't want our sparkling wine to be very sweet. We right. want it to be dry and more uh, uh, of, a, of a non-sweet taste. And we both have noticed that sometimes when you open a bottle, you pour it, and you take that first sip, you go, well, it's pretty good. It's a little sweet. By the second or third sip, yeah. you don't get that same sweetness. I don't know if the palate adjusts. You acclimate the, your palate a little yeah, bit to yeah. it. You know what? I bet this man could tell us exactly what happens. Well, I, I'm, I'm experiencing a similar thing uh-huh. with this with this Dewberry. Is that, are you uh, familiar with the phenomena of which we speak, Mark? Yeah, it's, it's going to ha- have to do with the astringency level. What it does is it creates a dryness in the back of your mouth. It actually makes you crave more. It's like the brewer's best-kept secret. Mm-hmm. Make the beer a little bit astringent, and people will keep coming back to it. Because you want more. You want another yeah. drink. Wow, interesting. They think they're getting their thirst quenched when in that actuality they're they're getting thirstier through the process. <laughs> <laughs> I love those sneaky brewers. That's, uh, that's right. pretty good. Uh, Mark Nichols is on the show uh, with us. This is his third appearance and next week will be his fourth as he attends the mm-hmm. uh, one of the show uh, free for all but mark you were you were here uh, initially you were with goliad brewing you also were uh, with new republic mm-hmm. and now you're doing something uh, entirely different so while i sip on this a little more and uh, and stand by to give some some comments tell us what are you doing now well i'm doing something that i, I in all honesty should have done years ago um i have started uh, quality draft it's a um, draft quality business, basically. Uh, so your job then is to help different retail, uh, you know, bars, places that pour draft beer, to improve the quality of the draft beer they pour. Is that right? Mm. That that's my main goal. I'm I'm going to design and build systems. Okay. okay. And uh, budget allowing, there I'm going to build it as close to the recommendations of the Brewers Association as uh, I possibly can. Um, doing. I build from a different perspective. Um, growing up through the distributors, we were taught a cookie cutter draft con- construction system that mm-hmm. basically was you build a, you build a line and then it's a one size fits all for for the beers. Not necessarily going to do justice to the liquid in the end result. Um, so does that mean that certain kinds of beer? 
might need a different approach in the draft lines and the the way that the setup is is originated? Yeah, actually, every style is a little bit unique in its CO2 volumes and uh, you know the way it's uh, the way it's delivered. Like a uh, like a German style wheat beer is going to have typically the highest CO2 volume. Whereas your big Russian Imperial Stout is going to have the lowest CO two volume. If you have a which cookie makes cutter, sense from if you drink it, you can tell the right, difference. Yes, in those, right? Oh yeah, and uh, if if you have uh, if you have your carbonation program to you know a uh, to a uh, American lager uh, over the course of that keg, the the Russian Imperial Stout is going to pick up additional carbon dioxide, whereas the the wheat beer is going to lose and slightly flatten out, which alters the flavor. CO2 is is quite amazing. It does a couple of things. First thing it does is it actually creates carbonic acid, which gives you the sting Mm -hmm. on your palate when you drink. And the other thing is it it creates surface area. So as it's dissolved, it, it changes the surface area of the beer, which changes your perception on the palate. So let me ask you this. As I've obviously learn more about beer mm-hmm. over the years i've become a more discerning drinker and used to you just go into a place where they have cheap beer and you order as many as you can and you know that's called, yeah. that's called being in college <laughs> uh, uh, right. but but as you become a more discerning drinker and i've noticed this that i can really tell the difference in some bars where you order uh, bars or restaurants where you order a draft sometimes it comes out and it's got that and you could be ordering the exact same beer, mm-hmm. so it's not—it's not about what brand or 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 iteration that you're buying. Sometimes it comes out and it's got that that amazing freshness that makes you feel like, man, nothing, no beer is better right, than draft right. beer. And then sometimes you're like, yeah, I wish I'd ordered a bottle. Um, in that second case, what are those guys most likely doing wrong? What's the most common thing that a bar is messing up on when the draft is just not all that? fresh and good tasting uh the most common thing is going to be their their balance of of uh applied gas so Um, it's just what you were talking about about the co2 right that's going to be that's going to be the most perceptible to Mm -hmm. the novice palate is a change in the uh, carbon um, carbon dioxide level um i brought some examples of some neglected lines which are the number two cause so are we ready to show these to the camera because i saw these before the show started this may make you Let me make Ooh. you uh wow. Yeah, you look at that. that. You want to drink yeah. beer out of that? So yeah. All right, now show show a good one just for comparison. Okay, man. so yeah, this is what a fresh line looks like. Uh the the fresh line is actually um that is actually a beyond normal uh, that's a uh barrier a uh, flexible barrier line that actually wow. has silver ions for antimicrobial protection and wow. uh it, it's non-flavor permeating as well, meaning you can run like ciders or root beers, and then run a light lager right behind it without picking up those flavors. So going back to these to these really gross-looking ones, mm-hmm. how likely is it that the beer I just ordered came through something that looks like that? Um, I'm sad to tell you that those more are more likely than I would, yeah. would like to know. Yeah. Um, if wow. if you're if you're leaving your draft maintenance up to your distributors. Their their motiv- motivation is not to spend any sure. more money than they have their to. Their motivation is to sell now, beer. And, and now, wouldn't they, they say that it's what's inside the line that counts? Well, I <laughs> yes, and I would say that also. What's you're, inside the line counts. But you're saying what's inside the line in terms of what the line's made of, so that it won't mm-hmm. add an an unnatural and won't impart an unnatural flavor to the beer. Right. Right. 
Interesting. Well, so a line like that, the uh, the bad example, um, with those are those have what's known as beer stone, which is a uh, calcium oxalate, as mm-hmm. well as uh, years of staining of multiple different flavors going on top of each other, as well as the likelihood of having lactobacillus and pediococcus um, growth as well. Those don't sound like things that I would really want in my beer. No, it's sour milk and uh, butterscotch. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm not. I'm not flavors. You know, butterscotch that will, is okay for candies at your grandma's house, but I don't think you want it on in or, your beer or buttered popcorn. Or yeah, and you really <laughs> don't want the sour milk flavor. So, uh, if you want a sour beer, you want a, a good this sour is, beer, not a not a, a sour milk. This beer. is probably the reason that I've been that guy at a bar that's ordered a beer and gotten it to my nose and going. No. Yeah. Now, I will tell you, I'm very used to doing this if you order a soda, like a Coke or a Diet Coke or something at a bar, and they haven't even just cleaned the lines out that day, like if the bar's just open. I mean, I learned this back working as a DJ in bars from my bartender friends. Like the Until you clean out the line, that stuff in there is nasty. It's flat and it's like yucky. Is the same thing true for beer? Do you have to clean the lines every day? It shouldn't be. It absolutely should not be a balanced system. The first drop and the last drop out of the keg should be consistent and delicious. Even all the way through the line wow. to the tap oh, yeah. itself. Okay, so yeah. this if is the pressure really... right. Well, right, right, because the whole line and everything. You're going to hold pressure. that CO2 all the way through, and it's glycol chilled. Whereas the the difference with Coke is they're using a cold plate, so it sits in an ice well. Right. So it's not chilled until it hits that cold plate. Mm-hmm. So the whole length of that line is hot, and then and it, it, and it then it runs nasty. through that little yeah. little ice channel. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, chills off at the very, very end. What's interesting about this is that, you know, obviously as uh, I've learned more about beer and, uh, you know, learned to enjoy different kinds of beer, my favorite bars have been the ones that have multiple options on tap yeah. rather than going in, they've got four or five taps. So I've always, but I've always wondered about these guys, like how much beer do they have to like throw out? Because at the end of the day, you know, maybe somebody's only ordered one or two of those that night, and you got to like throw out the beer that's in the lines. But what you're saying is that with a properly balanced system, they don't have to throw any of that beer out. That it keeps, that it keeps, and it's just as fresh the next time they pour one. Absolutely, that's got to save that's- you at least a pour every every time oh, more than right? that you would yeah. think yeah. yeah yeah absolutely yeah it, it would, does not make business so, sense to burn to be burning let me ask you this <laughs> when you go when you, when you go into a place that has a whole bunch of multiple taps on there they just have uh one co2 regulating every single uh keg or do they have a regulator on each keg that allows you to adjust the uh co2 to each uh to each beer the best case scenario is going to have an individual regulator. That way you can monitor the individual beer's CO2 volume needs. However, a secondary popular method is to do a bank system where you might have four beers per regulator and putting like uh, carbonated right, beers. Right, right. Um, your Makes primary sense. regulator is going to be like your water main. It's going to hold the high pressure right. and then supply and get regulated down uh, from each kick. bank that of... Way if you're yeah. pouring three or four at a time, you're not going to run behind and end up depleting the natural CO2 out of the keg. Right. And I and I assume as a bar owner, too, like, to build the perfect system, like anything else, to build the best system ever can get pretty cost prohibitive at some point in time. Because even though, even though you um, – each one of these may not be a whole lot of money by themselves – um, by the time you buy fifty of them, it gets pretty pricey. It does. By the way, that's why that's why I suggest going with the uh, the stainless. Uh, they're they're a little bit more 
they're not obnoxiously well, more. What are the differences they're, between They're going to last. This is a chrome-plated brass. Um, I see the brass it's in also the middle got there. Some gunk on it. If you look close to it, uh, so uh, closely to the it, brass yeah. and then the chrome. The chrome's going to wear off. Beer, beer is acidic. Right. Um, it naturally in, mm-hmm. in the process, it, it has a level of acidity, which is going to eat away at the chrome and expose the brass. And you know, there there are manufacturers out of this country that are still making leaded brass parts. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So there there are some. Not only uh, off flavor potential, but there is also a low level of brass or lead exposure potential with uh, these types of systems. None of which is what you're looking for in your draft beer. You know what's amazing? Yeah. Is this little piece here is almost the same weight as this piece here. Yeah, not surprising. Uh, And then then when you look in the end here, the the mechanism that, uh, the flow mechanism there, I guess, Mm -hmm. is really intense. It's It's a uh, flow control faucet. Very. Um, I didn't have. Cool. I used. Let me, let me I actually this. replaced all of these um, mm-hmm. very recently at uh, at an establishment and upgraded them to all stainless all the way through the shank uh, connections and everything. Well, and off, uh, off the air, you have to tell me where that is so I can go drink some. Right? Fresh, some fresh, <laughs> Absolutely, some fresh draft beer. All right, we got to take a break. We will be right back. We are going to bring you. Uh, I understand, especially if Adam gives me the thumbs up, we're going to bring you uh, a segment from the uh, the big event that Ian and I attended this last week, oh, which was, was the so Houston fun. Whiskey Social. And we're going to taste Pliny the Elder, and I'm going to tell you about beer with the essence of woman. And that's not something you would want bad lines messing up on its way to your draft <laughs> uh, class. Uh, so it's smoking and toasting, and we will be right back. Oh, my God. <laughs> so how do you feel about Dewberry Tart? Well, I like it. We didn't go back to it. Welcome back to Smoking and Toasting. It is show number 99. Our big 100th episode uh, is coming up next week. And just to let you know, we're going to be doing the show live as we normally do. But we'll be live from a remote location where we'll be drinking and smoking along with uh, what we hope will be a group of about 30 or 35 uh, people. All people who have been guests on the show uh, previously who are returning with uh, with fun stuff to taste and smoke and 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 sample. Oh yeah, and it's gonna be it's it's gonna be sweet. Real quick, Ian, before we uh, go to Pliny the Elder, which I'm very anxious to do, and I'm barely containing my kid at Christmas style uh, 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 anticipation. Uh, last thoughts on the Brewers Pride from Shiner, the uh, Dewberry Tart. My last thoughts on it? Yeah. I'm for it. I like it. I'm I think it's it. <laughs> okay, I think you. you know, I, I think it's interesting and um we were talking during the break here a little bit. Uh, Mark mentioned that um Shiner uh uh is Spotsville Brewery's coming back around to uh to starting to do more crafty things. Mm-hmm. And I think that I'll let him talk about that, but I think that uh I think that he's absolutely right on that and uh and I really enjoyed this. It's a great example of that in my yes. mind. I actually really liked it. In fact I um um I went from thinking that's pretty good to thinking uh, that's something I would buy. Like I would, yeah. I would stock that in my fridge. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, and they have been getting more creative and more uh, crafty. I guess is, is well, a now, good way to put it. Now, late. tell tell us what you were saying on the break, real quick, about how uh, Shiner's role in the beer industry here. Well, Shiner's the most important beer to the Texas craft scene because it's literally the beer that will launch people from domestics to craft beer mm-hmm. it starts um, the process right it yeah. does with their bach uh, especially mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it gets them 
you know, hey, there's there's more out there's there. There's more to there's life. There's more than, flavor than Bud and Bud Light. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, for years, I thought Shiner kind of missed the mark on launching people up through their portfolio by doing beers like this. Rather, they were launching people onto the mm-hmm. to, to the craft beers. Um, so I, these are these are necessary for their these are good to future. See. Good yeah, to these see are, and they did a pretty. I, Rock solid job. On I this love one. their company. Very we drinkable. love we love Jimmy, their brewmaster. Mm, He's yeah. like one of the greatest He's guys a blast. you could ever have on the show. He's awesome, uh, and and I just love that they're that they're getting more creative and letting their brewmasters do something like Brewers Pride, which I think is uh, is, is very well uh, very well. And I understand though it's hard when you're Shiner and you're selling Shiner Bach all over the country, left and right, like as mm-hmm. fast as you can produce it. It's hard to go. Yeah, we're going to take this much capacity from our brewery right. and devote it to something that we know is not going to sell nearly as well but is more of a crafty thing so i understand how hard that is but it's good to see them making the commitment to do that i think it's awesome i'm gonna let them know because i'm going camping this weekend and i'm gonna stop by there on my way out oh awesome yeah you should give them an advance warning i definitely (laughs) definitely think all right i've been waiting for this for a long time uh, and ian i know you've tasted it before but i've never tasted pliny the elder it's been written up as being uh, one of the greatest IPAs in the world, and I'm an IPA fan, and so I'm I'm excited now. Uh, you got this from your uh, buddy who brought it from California. Yes, I did. But you said there was a caveat about the beer. About- so this is not the freshest example, and IPAs are supposed to drink very fresh. Yes. You know, within what one or two months is usually mm-hmm. it. that beer expires at 30 days old. Okay, so we're a little over that by okay. most of a year. But we're going to try this anyway, okay. because I will tell you that if a beer has been treated well, it usually at least still is drinkable. Okay, well, let's, let's see let's what we But let's try think. it and see what let's happens. see what we think. And, you know, there's plenty of times you go and buy those lesser-known beers on the shelf, and they've been sitting there for a while, too. So it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough. It's tough to keep, uh, I think, stocks rotated appropriately, you know, in, in, in uh, retailers. Yeah, so so I'm excited about this again because it's it's just been written up. The bar may be set a little too high for me uh, with this because it's been written up so many times in so many publications and so many uh, web uh, you know things where they've listed the top hundred beers or the top you know ten beers or the top five IPAs and it's done number one or number two for uh, for for so many years. Yeah, I don't even think it was unseated for until like what last year. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. So interesting. I, I I like it on the nose. It smells nice and a little funky and a little uh, a, a little intense hop wise. It smells good. I'm gonna see mm-hmm. what you say about it. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna let you be the first to to try it today and tell us about the poison that it may or may not be. <laughs> hmm. Okay, so I'm I'm trying to weigh how much of the flavor that I'm tasting is what it's really about versus the fact that it might not be as fresh as we, as we mentioned because I'm getting a little funk on the aftertaste that I don't know if it's what they intended for the brand or not and Mark Shaken is I think no. I think that's right but mm-hmm. I think the whole first burst of flavor is probably pretty true. Well, I will tell you the first burst I like a lot. Uh, I like a lot. It's like it's a, it's a very clean hoppy sort and of first, malty. 
Bre- uh, first fresh, yes. You get you get some big malt in there initially. Uh, Mark, you've obviously had this fresher. Uh, help us contrast what we're drinking now. Um, this beer is magical when it's fresh. It, the, mm-hmm. the hops literally just dance on your palate. It's almost mm-hmm. like a hop scrubbing action that just <laughs> works right across the center. For of the some palate. reason, I thought of those little bubbles on oh, the TV yeah. commercial. The scrubbing <laughs> bubbles in yeah. the bathtub. Yeah, yeah. that's bubbles. the hops in this beer. It's uh, a. <laughs> It, it's uh, it's delightful. Um, uh, the malts are extremely aggressive now through the finish, uh, which are this is a good beer, almost though. unapparent uh, in the uh, the fresher. The oldest one I've ever had is about twenty days old. Uh, prior to this one. Prior to this yeah. one, so um, you can never say that again. Yes. Yeah. So so how <laughs> how badly did this fare for for its age? Or to it's, put it another way, if I'm someplace and I see a bottle of this and it's you know uh, nine ten months old, do I want to buy it still or do I want to know? Um, no. No. Okay. Uh, you don't. In fact, uh, I believe from what I've heard, like I don't, I've never lived in, you know, a state where it's distributed, mm-hmm. but, uh, my understanding is that it's by contract must be pulled from, from the shelf from at huh. 30 days old. Hmm. It's like absolutely forbidden to sell it. In fact, if you read the ring so around the we're label, we're drinking the forbidden beer. We it's are. Uh, it's literally like, don't be an idiot and and store this. You better drink this as soon as you get it fresh and yeah, you know, all the way around the label. So I'm feeling rather like an idiot. <laughs> it does right actually now. say all that? <laughs> yeah. You know, I got to tell you though, uh, even through all that, it's pretty good beer. Yeah. Like this it's is delicious. It's together. Um, you know, the malts are are. Uh, while they're is while it, they're aggressive, they're not. Um, is it more malt forward than it would be if it's fresh? Far, yeah, yeah by far. Um, but the malts are pleasant. Uh, the The beer is pleasant and drinkable as you know a what it's evolved to. Right. So interesting. Yes, uh, very. You can taste the quality in it. You can taste a lot of stuff. But I, I agree. There's that that the back end. There's just a little bit on that tail end, especially that says this is past its prime. It is, however, still very drinkable, and I'm not going to waste this bottle. <laughs> Indeed, we should not. <laughs> All right. So before we move on to uh, cleaning out the lines, <clears throat> let me just share this with you. A beer made from the lactic acid of hot underwear models has gone on sale in Poland, and I'm not making this up. And when I say hot lactic acid, we're talking about sweat. We're talking about JJ. <laughs> That's where we're going. I probably should have said at this point, if you got kids listening to the show. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's not it's not like we have to censor the show, but like I'm I'm sensitive to the I'm, fact. I'm going to start making a list of things that I never thought I'd hear you yeah, say. Yeah, well, there you go. See, that's uh, uh, you can. I'll add to that the list of and, things I never thought I'd and say. And the serious look when you said I'm talking about the JJ that was priceless. <laughs> yeah. I can never get that out of my yeah, head. And, now. and nor nor should you. <laughs> uh, this beer has been launched by a brewery known as the Order of Yoni. From the Polish capital city of Warsaw, Yoni is the Sanskrit word for the female genitalia. Um, so it's Sanskrit for vajayjay. Yes, it's exactly right. <laughs> thank you for thank you for clarifying. No, that. okay. Thank you. For well, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the translator today. Customers can now buy the beer and taste the essence. I'm reading from the story here of good-looking models at various pubs after its debut, which happened uh, just you, two days do ago. Do you get to pick the model? Well, the brewery's website kind of colorfully describes the sensations and has 
pictures of the different models that I guess are so this ascribed is, wait to a the second. different bottles this of beer. This is beer steeped in underwear. Basically, yes. Yes. <laughs> the brewery's website describes Who'd have thunk it? the sensations you might have <laughs> and uh, the process of making the beer somewhat ambiguously. Um, one of the first customers who tasted the beer was reportedly not overly impressed, saying, yeah, the beer costs about the same as a normal bottle of wine, and he didn't find it that interesting. But he said people will try it out of curiosity. I don't think it will be a regular addition on the table. It just has this bottles. nagging aftertaste. Yeah, well, a promotional <laughs> video for the beer shows a large brown bottle with a sticker being peeled back to show a photo of a model in underwear with the name of Pauline. <laughs> the label says, and again, I'm not making any of this up, uh, you were drinking the essence of Pauline, showing a diagram of two people doing it and a caption saying, the best sex position when drinking beer. Again, I'm not making any of this up. <laughs> I don't know. Where do you even find this uh, stuff? I, uh, well, I have, to, <laughs> I have to give credit where credit's due. My wife sent me this story like five minutes before the show started. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I don't know where she found it. You know, so so you always have these show notes, and, and this mm -hmm. is this is a this one's not example. in the show notes. Yeah, but one of my favorite things about it is even though I get this, and I'll sometimes look over the uh, titles of stuff, I never look into any of the articles because I really do want to hear. Up. Yeah, I, I want my my reaction to be true. <laughs> uh, I, I do want to read this one last thing amidst cons amidst. Concern, it says in this article, about the hygienic implications of the beer. The order of Yoni has reassured customers that A, again, you can't make this stuff up. Say the it's pasteurized. The ladies, it's have pasteurized. Been, the ladies have been totally checked before having the uh, process uh, uh, taken care of. And B, the scientific process they use to isolate the bacteria removes all possible unsavory elements. Yeah. By the way, the guy tried to do an online like a GoFundMe thing uh, to get the uh, to get this you know all set up, and uh, he only raised like fifteen hundred euros out of needing like one hundred fifty thousand. Uh, but apparently, he found a private investor who believed in the beer of beer the beer steeped in underwear is a good yeah. idea. Yeah. So, so there you go. I had to share that with you because how could I not? I, I'm, I'm actually a little bit speechless. On I'm stammering over here. Yeah, <laughs> currently only available in Poland for those who are, you know, going to be. Do do me a favor. Do not walk into Specs and find Joey and go, "Hey, <laughs> this, Joey, this is what we you, need." Do you have the? Yeah, no, don't don't ask him. I'm mostly uh, intrigued with this best sexual position while drinking beer. Yeah, I, I unfortunately it didn't it didn't. Uh, <laughs> It didn't illuminate us as to what that position was, but hope. I, I, I'm gonna, if I had to guess, it would be a position that would allow you to not spill your beer. That's that's the only thing I can think of. True that. True that. So, so with that in mind, dilly dilly, dilly, dilly indeed. Uh, so with that, with that in mind, uh, let's talk about cleaning out the lines. Or no, maybe we. Uh, the, no, let's let's talk about uh, Mark. Yeah. You you brought uh, you the machine. You brought some some machinery in here uh, to show us as well as your uh, very clean beer lines and your not so clean beer lines. Uh, what is this thing? Is this a new creation? Has this always existed? No. Well, it's. Um, I know for sure it's been around for at least about fifteen years. Okay. Uh, but uh, it's it's a lesser. Used but very important uh, piece of machinery and a lot of the uh, cornerstone of what I'll be doing. Um, 
like you know i'll do the installations and upgrades and stuff like that but the maintenance like the like the regular maintenance intervals are really getting overlooked they're investing you know and a typical glycol system is they're going to drop 20 30 or more thousand dollars and uh then just you know leave it up to the distributors to take care of care of so how often should they be getting something like this done a de-stoning treatment should occur every 90 days wow and so some of them don't do it at all is what you're saying right hasn't been done maybe since the bar opened so there they there's a regular clean line cleaning that should take place every two weeks and what they what they use for that is a uh, high alkaline Mm -hmm. uh, cleaner which treats organic materials it's going to remove anything living from the line right but just like hard water uh creates water stone beer creates beer stone which is a like a calcium oxalate that'll mm-hmm. form on the inside of the mm-hmm. lines and you need acid to uh to dissolve and remove that and that should be done every 90 days wow this uh this pump this is actually uh one of the uh one of the larger and more uh <laughs> has more features it actually uh pulsates and does a scrubbing action on the lines and will do um a considerable considerable length at one time uh rated for well over 300 feet of uh of run. that's a lot of line yeah so if somebody has you put your system in you'll also set them up with a deal where they can yeah like have you come back and do this maintenance for them on a regular mm-hmm. basis right yeah it'll be um what i you know what i would prefer to do is just set them up on an automatic calendar and be like oh i'll be here four I'll times here. a year yeah. and while i'm here I'm going to not only do this, but I'm going to do what nobody else does. Is I'm going to climb up on top of the cooler wherever your glycol unit is, and I'm going to test the test the glycol solution f- uh, for its freezing point to make sure that it hasn't. We're in a humid environment. It's a cold liquid, so it's mm-hmm. sucking water out of the air. It's going to water down and end up freezing up. When it freezes, it expands. It can damage the internal coils, and that's you know that's you know in a lot of cases that's you know five ten thousand dollar you know piece of equipment mm. just by itself. Wow depending on you know its size and you know, uh, some of the other variables so it's like uh you know this is this is stuff that needs to be cared for but no nobody's really caring for it or- so if i if i go up to a bar and i get a beer and it's you can tell like i've i've done this before where i go up to a bar and get a beer and i get i get it even close to my nose i'm like that's not good that's that's mm-hmm. bad is that the lines doing that or is there occasionally a, a spoiled keg or um, what what are, what's the what's the um, numbers on that? What's the averages on that? L- lines are probably going to be first. Um, now it could be a contaminated uh, air system as well. If they're not using the proper appropriate check valves, and the system ever drops pressure, the kegs are going to back bleed into the line, and it's going to put aroma into the right. uh, gas system, which is going to be redistributed to all the kegs, uh. which can give an off flavor as well. Uh, but you typically your off flavors are coming from right from that, that example, that funky line. yeah, that yeah, funky yeah. line or a slight metallic <clears throat> taste from the from mm-hmm. from brass fittings. All right, um, we're gonna take a break and come back with our segment from the uh, from the the big whiskey social event. But before we do, I just wanted to say, is there any? I wanted to ask you, Mark, is there anything I can do to size up a bar when I walk in? Is there any way to know? whether I'm going to be ordering a fresher beer or whether maybe I'm at an establishment that doesn't do the proper maintenance and that needs to do. Is there, are there telltale signs to look for before you taste the beer? The, well, staff education is going to be the big one. If you ask the questions, uh, a, a well-informed staff is going to, going to know about 
about you know, what their procedures about their, are. Yeah, their system, their procedures. There's, there's a lot of places that, that handle this kind of stuff in-house. Because there's and, places you go to, and if the bathrooms are too nasty, you won't go back there. You know right. what I mean? And like that's, but, but this is the beer you're drinking. And so I think it's, it's a pretty important thing, you know? Um, I'm hoping to um, work with retailers on doing a... Um, doing a grading system maybe putting a plaque up when i i take care of their accounts so That'd that the very consumers cool. so, get to so know if you like see a plaque that hey, says this yeah, place is is love it. has been built to you know the the uh, quality guidelines of you the mentioned something about the brewers association earlier yes now aren't you are you a member of that i have an open invitation that uh, i i've got the after 14 months of vetting essay writing uh phone interviews and uh I got the call um, two weeks ago welcoming me aboard. So what you're saying is this is I an, have easy, not, an yeah. easy thing that anybody can join, is what you're saying. <laughs> no. <laughs> it, well, congratulations. And, yeah, that's uh, awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, – I'm like – I'm in the you know, I'm in the process here. So is there, they said the, the invitation's open. Let us know and you know, awesome. when you're ready to go active. So No, congratulations. Yeah, I am imminently – making the call to say okay everything is set up and you know um my my business quality draft has joined the brewers association so i'm i'm a member of it there which Mm -hmm. was a requirement to be on the board so um next next step but uh yeah Yeah. if you have the opportunity to go to one of their workshops it's so educational they do uh they train you teach you about the lines they will teach you about um very specific uh, elements, you know, from like uh, from nitrogenation or mm-hmm. you know uh, balancing the system, and then also um, um, a lot of the uh, you know um, the marketing or the uh, um, profitability mm-hmm. you know, aspects as well as a retailer. For a guy who's known as the beer poet, like he's talking a lot of science to us. Today. I know. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm grooving on the science. That's pretty <laughs> cool. Okay, we're going to take a break. We'll be back with the uh, segment from the uh, Houston Whiskey Social. And then in our final segment, Ian has a mystery uh, spirit of some sort, uh, which we'll be tasting. And also, uh, we have one more beer, which is the, uh, the very, very, very interesting uh, bourbon barrel aged uh, stout. Yes. So, looking forward to that. It's smoking and toasting. Our 100th episode is right around the corner, uh, but this is show number 99. Smoking and toasting. So, um, some technical difficulties with our uh, segment from the uh, the Big Whiskey Social. So, I tell you what, we're going to do rather than try and squeeze it in uh, to this week's show because we got so much going on anyway. We're just going to delay that. We'll bring it to you after the Big One Hundred. Uh, so that'll be maybe in uh, show number one hundred one. So we'll look forward to that. It. Uh, I think it'll be. A, I, I think it's a really fun segment, but unfortunately. Um, you know, smoking and toasting versus the video we'll, editor. We'll, we'll let video, it out. The video editor in, in its due time. Yeah, in its due time. 
We will sell no wine before it's time. Right. Uh, speaking of timing, the FDA uh, has agreed to delay the additional packaging requirements on premium cigars. Now, you may remember we got the uh, we got the stay, but the FDA has agreed to the stay, and uh, in light of this recent injunction uh, postponing them. They've agreed to stop the ones that were set to go into effect next month until after the appeal process as this ongoing cigar industry lawsuit uh, continues to roll. So the regulations would have required that tobacco product packages contain the following labels, the name and place of business of the tobacco product manufacturer, packer, or distributor, an accurate statement of the quantity of the contents in terms of weight, measure, or numerical count, and the statement sale allowed only in the United States on labels, packaging, and shipping containers of tobacco product uh, required under section yada, yada, yada. Those all were scheduled to go into effect as of August 10th, as, by the way, were the size requirements for these because they were supposed to have to cover one-third of the cigar and or cigar box in the case of a box or a bundle. So, um, obviously, not something that cigar industry was excited about, and so we're happy to have this day as the appeal process continues. And while I am sharing this with you, Ian is pouring the mystery spirit that we're going to taste and uh, I do not know what we're tasting, so Ian, you're going to have to, you're going to have to do all the build up here. Well, buddy, boy, do I have a surprise boy, for you. you! You're still hiding it. You're still not showing me what you got here. This is interesting. Because uh, have you spent any time in Chicago? Uh, I have, but it's been a number of years since I've been. I used to spend a lot of time actually in Chicago, but it's been a while since I've been. Well, what I've brought, uh, I have a friend of mine who's kind of a Chicago file. Mm-hmm. He loves all things Chicago, and um, and we were speaking of this particular um, spirit. Um, this is very Chicago. It's about as Chicago as it can get. Um, this is called Jepson's Malort. Malort. Now, if you go to Chicago, there's certain bars that will have this. And if you say, hey, what do I have to have that's very Chicago? This is something you will have to have a shot of. Chicago's a great city, and it's it's got a lot more going on with food and drink than it gets credit for, I think, because yes. people have a tendency to credit New York and Los Angeles, you know, the coast. Uh, but Chicago is a very happening town. And and they've they've got some bars and they've got some restaurants that are out of this world in Chicago. And they also have Jepson Malort. So and on the bottle what, here what it actually exactly says is, Well this is a, this is a liqueur. Um this was started um I, I think in the early uh twentieth century the bottle actually says, Jepson Malort has the aroma and full-bodied flavor of an unusual botanical. Its bitter taste is savored by two-fisted drinkers. Interesting. Now, I was going to say, I don't get a lot on the nose, but what I do get reminds me of gin, which is kind of confusing since this is an amber spirit. You know? it, well, it also says color added. Okay, well, there you go. Uh, but that's the botanicals. I now, guess, this is good. this is such like a Chicago native thing. Like, you actually can't get this most other places, so I'm really interested to see what you think about this. Wow. Mm. I'm not sure what I think about it, to be honest with you. <laughs> the look on um, your face is priceless. I, I just wasn't expecting what it is, and I've never had this before. So this is... Um, it's it's very and again maybe it doesn't mix with Pliny the Elder which I just add it's not that uh, oh it's not no. that <laughs> okay well um, it's it's just a little it's a little bracing to the taste buds <laughs> is is the best what way do you, I can what do you say think um, I'm picking it, I've picked up a lot of solvent on the uh, on the aroma and um, it has a uh, distinct bitter 
yes. that I think would side by side with an IPA fairly well. Mm. Um, I hadn't thought about that. So I have. I'm, I'm going to read you some of this because because I could tell you all about what I know about it. But this is a beautiful thing. This is on Thrill List. Okay, it's um, 14 things you didn't know about Malort. Um, and it starts off by saying, "What can you say about Malort that hasn't already been said?" Dot 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 about drinking pesticide. <laughs> well, there you go. Whether you love it or hate it, or pretend to hate it but secretly love it, you can never know too much about it. Here are 14 facts about Chicago's polarizing cult liqueur. So this is actually a real thing in Chicago, okay? Um, Now, I will tell you also, okay, uh, so flavor-wise, this is, I'm going to go ahead and point this out, that I took a sip with you, because even though I've tried this before, I wanted to be where you're at right now. Mm. This is probably not something you're going to buy again, Mm -mm. okay? Unless you're going to do this, what I'm doing to you, to a friend here. Um... Number one on here is it says it's not actually flavored with gasoline. Well, it's good to know. <laughs> it's wormwood, a bitter herb known for its, its ability wormwood. to kill stomach worms. Well, it, so it know. literally is a pesticide. Glad to know I won't have to worry about that. <laughs> the median, it's also the main ingredient in absinthe, um, a liquor known for its psychedelic effects. However, Malort's wormwood it has an extremely low. Um, Thuhone leather, Thuhone level, it means it won't make you hallucinate. It the way yeah, it won't. Yeah, this but, won't yeah, do that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Number two, Chicago flag has three stars on it on purpose because. Let's see here, because it predates the Century of Progress expedition in '33, in which the fourth star was added there on the flag for Chicago. There. Okay. This gets more and more fun. Keep sipping this, by the way. This oh, is, I have been. Malort was one of the few je- uh, one of the few beverages Carl Jepson, who was the inventor of Malort, could actually taste. I like his niece, Carly Rae Jepson. <laughs> he was a he was a Swedish immigrant who came to Chicago in the '30s along with his homemade spirit. As a cigar shop owner and avid smoker, Jepson loved drinking and selling Malort because it was one of the only things his tobacco ravaged tongue could actually identify. Wow! Wow! Uh, let's see. I'm Malort. not sure I'll ever identify anything again after drinking it. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to get this this taste out of my mouth. Malort actually beat prohibition. It was sold as uh, as basically a uh, medicinal as a cleanser. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, for for cleaning, you know, stop you from getting worms and that kind of thing, parasites in your stomach. Okay, so now I understand why it was popular because you could get it during prohibition. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the fan slogans are priceless. This is number five. It says, Malort is an incredibly small operation. They only have two employees, including the owner. And uh, while their budget can't afford print ads, print ads, fan-created promotions are right in the brand's wheelhouse. Here are some of their ad wizardry. Number one, Malort, kick your mouth in the balls. <laughs> number two, Malort. When you need to unfriend someone in person. <laughs> That's good. Malort. <laughs> this must be good. Malort, tonight's the night you fight your dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Right, it keeps going here. Hold on. Malort, <laughs> the champagne of pain. <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, let's see. Malort, turning taste buds into taste foes for generations. <laughs> um, drink Malort. It's easier than telling people you have nothing to live for. Uh, there's two more here. Malort, it's what soap washes its mouth out with. 
And, and my favorite, uh, next to the Tonight's Night You're Gonna Fight Your Dad one, my favorite is, my lord, these pants aren't gonna shit themselves. <laughs> well, um... I just want you to know, Ian. I will remember this, and, uh, and, and will uh, and will respond in kind. Uh, well, see, <laughs> challenge accepted. Wow! I thought this would be a blast because when's the last time we brought something that was just awful on the show? It's, it's awful. There's, yeah, it's no, it's, there's no question. It sticks that it's to awful. the tongue in the worst possible way. Um, it tastes terrible. I love that you were watching for what my first reaction is. Oh, the lingering <laughs> is the worst of it. If I if I had tasted that and it was now gone, I'd actually be all right with it. But it's still hanging around, and I'm like, I may never be able to smoke a cigar again. This may screw up every like possible uh, taste bud in my mouth. So I'm at number seven. Let me get through a few more of these because this okay. is funny. Okay, so we already <laughs> threw the fan slogans. Tonight's the night you fight your dad. That's pretty funny. So uh, let's see. The Daily Show correspondents swear by it. Comedian John uh, Hodgman brings a bottle of Malort to his stand-up shows, passing it around for the audience to chug. The bottle usually comes back to him three-quarters of the way full. <laughs> I believe it. Oh, that's a good one. Let's see. It's distinctively Chicago's. 90% of all Jepson's Malort's produced and consumed within Cook County. This glorious new Malort map will show you every bar and store on earth that sells it. Obviously, that's an article. You can look that up. Um, the Swedes are responsible for the recipe. Malort's Viking fuel is made in the style of, I can't pronounce this, um, Basque Braven, a Scandinavian term for liquor distilled from potatoes, grain or wood, grain or wood and also translates to bitter distilled spirit in Swedish. Well, that makes sense. Bitter distilled spirit. Oh, it spirit. is definitely yes. that. Because it uh, is that. Number 10, it was used to ease menstrual cramps. We're just going to go ahead and skip that one. Who tried it for that? Uh, somebody figured that that might be, I don't know. <laughs> number 11, I love this one. The company hired a guy that they nearly sued, okay? Uh, Malort uh, had considered litigating against uh, Sam Meckling for creating unauthorized Facebook and Twitter pages for the company without their consent. Instead, ownership decided it made more sense and was probably cheaper to hire him as director of marketing. <laughs> there you go. I, I got to tell you, it's it's unique among things that we've tried on the show in that it has no redeeming qualities of any kind whatsoever. Did you say it's for Vikings? <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, does, it does have that kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, uh, uh, when you go to, uh, to Iceland, you can taste the uh, thousand-year-old buried shark. You know that they uh, the fish that they bury beneath, and yep. it's so pungent and all that. And I did not taste it, but from what I understand from those that have, it's just horrible. And I'm like, well, then why do they do it? And I think you can apply the same questions to Malort. There's there is that there's that. Let's see. It also shares a name with everyone's favorite nuclear meltdown. While Malort means wormwood in Swedish, the Russian translation of the word is Chernobyl. Well, there you go. And I think that's as as apt a thing to. We're going to go ahead and let it. that one go, right? Yep. Number 13, it recently got more bitter. It used to not be this bitter. I just want to point that out. So they were drinking and they thought, you know what this needs. <laughs> this IPA is good, craze. except... IPA craze. <laughs> Everyone wow. burnt their tongues with West Coast IPAs and decided this needed to be more. Uh, the strength of wormwood, Malort's main ingredient, varies wildly. So some plants are more intense than others. Recently, a very strong batch of wormwood was found. Uh, and thanks to that, the last bottles hit the market are tasting uh, stronger than ever. Prepare for a severe case of Malort face. And then our last one on here. The original label 
ended with what sounded like a gypsy curse. The original back label describing Jepson's brand was capped off with the ver- the first shot is hard to swallow. Persevere. Make it past two shot glasses and the third <laughs> you could be ours forever. Wow. <laughs> I, I'm not interested in the proposal, but thank you so now, much. Now, after all that, I'm going to tell you the best thing I've ever heard about Malort, okay? Okay. Because my friend that gave me this bottle to bring on the show is actually quite a fan. He actually loves this stuff. And as much really? as I absolutely don't love this stuff, he absolutely loves this stuff. And when I told him how awful I actually thought it was, he says, Ian, it's not awful. It's challenging to appreciate. <laughs> and with that, we'll be back for our final segment. On Smoking a Dozen. <laughs> uh, how do you follow up a segment like that? I just don't know if you can. How did you like that? That's awesome. As we start our final segment of the show, Smoking and Toasting, show number 99, uh, brought to you by our friends at uh, B&B Butchers and Restaurant at uh, 1814 Washington Ave in Houston and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. As we start segment number five, our final segment on show number 99. So, guys, this will be our last segment before show number 100. So it's right around the corner, and I'm very excited. But I'd like to uh, extend a special thanks to Carbach Brewery in uh, Houston, Texas, uh, who are now, as we have talked about many times on the show, they are now owned by uh, AB and Bev, mm-hmm. so they're owned by Anheuser-Busch. But they still brew great beer, and I'd like to thank them personally because we had some of their big and bright in our refrigerator here at the studio, and it is helping me wash the taste of Malort out of my mouth well, before so, we try so I have, beer. I, I kind of said this. I like the big and bright, by the I way. I kind of said this during the break, but I have a new slogan for Malort. It will make you want to shave your tongue, not because you're growing hair on your tongue, but because the taste of the aftershave is better. <laughs> it's a long slogan, but but appropriate. It's effective. It's a long slogan, but appropriate. <laughs> hey, have you guys heard about this new trend, by the way? We should talk about this before we uh, get back to uh, really good uh, craft beer. Uh, have you heard about this beer swaps? This it, it, I got reminded of this by what you did when your buddy from California came and brought the Pliny and you guys all... You know, bought the different mm-hmm. stuff that he brought. But beer swaps is becoming a thing now. And it's the latest trend in craft beer. It's kind of like blind dates for craft beer lovers, sort of. More and more all over the place, all over America, grown men are connecting with others on beer-related internet forums and websites and agreeing to meet in order to swap harder-to-find craft beers with each other. Hmm. So, uh, isn't this interesting? It's it's kind of like a date, but of course not. It's just about the beer, right? So I was thinking what my my ad might read. Like, right, if I was to post an ad, uh, my ad might read something like, married white male with lone pint jabberwock looking for a like-minded, sane person willing to swap for Monday Night Brewing hand brolo pale ale. We'll also consider Great Notion Brewing ripe IPA. No fakes or no shows. Picture of beer required for reply. How do you think I would do? <laughs> Picture of beer required. Yeah. For See, I would have put Pliny the Elder, you know, that I was looking. But of course, now I've tried it. So <clears throat> there's that. So, but I would still, I would still look for Pliny the Elder. But beer swaps becoming a thing. I could see you getting into this, Ian. 
Mm. I can see you like meeting somebody at the in a dark alley, you know, with <laughs> with with <laughs> the, a six pack in your hand. You got the six pack, buddy. Yeah. You got the stuff, man. Uh, all right, so this has been perhaps one of the more unusual shows that we've ever done. But it seems appropriate that Mark is here for this show because he's he's such a good friend of the program. You know I just I mean? wanted to let you know he knew about the Malort ahead of time. I had a feeling, yeah, I had a feeling he because he, he was he was he was a little too straight faced during the whole thing and said he was what? complicit. Yeah, so uh, and I love that you were just watching for my first expression, <laughs> oh, I and I so. I hope I didn't disappoint. Not at all. Do you want the rest of mine, by the way? No, I do not. I do not. I don't want to ever actually see that uh, stuff again. Uh, but uh, but that's just me. Okay, uh, speaking of stuff. All right, stuff. Yeah, we got stuff here. We got so, stuff. So, all jokes aside, because the more, come on, you got to admit, that's hilarious. Um, mm-hmm. the, this is Almanac Beer Company, Farm to Barrel um, Sour. This is a sour stout. This is aged- a sour stout. Now, I'm not sure that, I'm trying to think if I've had a sour stout. I've had sour... I've had sours in just about every other style, but have I had a? I'm trying to remember if we've. I've had one, but I'm style. trying to remember if we've done one on here. I don't think we have. The Mysterium Verum was uh, not a stout. That was a uh, Scotch ale. Yeah, Scotch, Scotch ale. ale. Yeah, yep. so that doesn't count. And we've had we've had a number of great sours on the show, but uh, yeah, this is sour stout aged in Woodford Reserve barrels. Uh, well, it's got a lot going for orange it. peel and cherries. It's got a lot going for it. I mean, I'm a, I'm a fan of the Woodford Reserve. Ooh. Ian, you have you have uh, acquitted yourself with the uh, sound effects. That I'm working good. on it, man. That was really good. That was really good. That was even a good pour sound effect. A little soft, but uh, <laughs> but, not, but nicely done. Uh, so we're point. Uh, and uh, once you've done the pour, you're going to have to tell me a little more about this pouring, beer. I'm pouring this a little is, hard intentionally to get is, get a little head on it, so we can. This is usually where uh, aromatic you know, where I, I'm trying to share some info off the bottle about the beer. So oh yeah, sorry, I should hand you that. To, you'll have to either uh, either hand it to me or or share it uh, on your own as we. Uh, mm. Oh now, see that smells like something I want to try. Mm. Uh, all right, Farm to Barrel is from Almanac Beer Company. Almanac Beer Company. Do we know where these guys are from, Ian? Uh, Almanac Beer Company, California. San Jose, California. All right. Uh, Which is be- Spanish for San Jose. It's, yeah, it's Spanish for the Jose, I think. So, uh, St. <laughs> Jose, yes. Jose. Uh, it's proudly brewed in Northern California, where it says beer is agriculture. It's barrel aged. And it so is. Uh, and this was bottled in. Uh, now, this is interesting. This was bottled in December of 2015. But unlike the Pliny, this. May we'll actually, you know, yeah, we'll benefit nicely, from the yes. aging. Yeah, as long as you don't age it too long, obviously. But uh, well, there's uh, there's always a, a turnover. So depending on the style of beer, uh, a few years on it, sometimes it's two, sometimes it's more. Mm-hmm. But a few years on it can really enhance what's going on. It is nine percent alcohol by volume. I'm showing it to the camera there, so we can. Uh, Make sure you guys see what this looks like because I have not seen this before. Now, Ian, you and I were in California, uh, you know, about fifteen shows ago or so, uh, and inter- had some very good and interesting California beers, but did not see either of these two in any of the places we were. So, I would like to taste a younger version of this, yeah, because this has a little bit of soy sauce going on in it, not totally in a bad way, but a little bit. Yes, it does. I know what you're talking about. And considering it was bottled in 2015, it could be that even though these beers the are ages. good aged, it, it could be a little past. Or it could spine. be that's the way it is. Now, that being said, it's quite good. Mm-hmm. Like, it is. It is. Like the espresso and tart cherries are just beautiful. Well, and in the, this. the whole raisin and date thing that you 
kind of associate with this style of uh, of barrel aging is is in full effect but with that with that cherry on the final part of the finish that's our cherry mm-hmm. yeah and it's dry mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. with the tart cherry finish plus the oak finish it's dry mm. How are you feeling about this? I'm telling you, I, I am typically very sensitive to coriander, and I, I am not pulling it out of I'm this. not pulling any coriander out of it. Does it say coriander? No, I, I don't thought, think so. Oh, no, just orange peel and cherries. Okay. Orange uh, peel I thought I heard cherries, you say yes. coriander. Well, coriander is one of those flavors. Like Some people like that. Um, and But to me, uh, like if it's one of those flavors where the tiniest bit too much just destroys the beer. Mm. Mark, is this the astringency that you were talking about earlier? Because so, one of the things that happens to me once I finish a swallow of this is I go, I really want another drink. Yeah. Like, like I really want to taste that again. The the back of the throat will get a dryness mm. to it after mm-hmm. you swallow, and that's astringency. Mm. It kind mm. of, uh, you know, when, when you have an astringent, it tightens the skin. And it makes you go, I want more. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, that's that's. I think it's really good. Agreed. Ian, I, I get what you're fantastic. saying about a little bit of the soy sauce. Like mm-hmm. like it might be interesting to taste a bottle that was a couple of years younger. Well, I just the only reason I say it is because it's not necessarily a bad thing, mm-hmm. but that's something that happens more and more with beers as they age. Like mm-hmm. sometimes if you age a beer a little too long, it just turns into like it tastes like soy sauce. But it's not a bad thing because, like, some beers have that flavor inherent in it, and Mark, this might be one of those. Mark, you're probably one so of the more— So it's hard to tell. Yeah, you're probably one of the more beer-intelligent guys that I know. When you're dealing with something like, um, you know, a stout, mm-hmm. and it's been barrel-aged, and now it's bottled, do you have a feel for, like, what the sweet spot would be in terms of, of how long that bottle's going to be good? It's going to vary by beer. I yeah. mean, there are instances where you're going to want to take it to 10 years. There's instances where well, you're not. Well, with wines and, and yeah. so many other things, the aging really helps and mm-hmm. really brings out complexity. But so often in beer, it doesn't. So uh, Yeah, the uh, the more robust styles have much more stability and uh, will be um, consistent more long term than, uh, like, you know, the Pliny, for example, radically changed over, over well, And you have course. tasted the younger Pliny, mm-hmm. so you, you have a real sort of marker to, to put it up against. So, yeah. fascinating. All right, well, I will still say this. My, uh, my invitation still goes out to anyone who's got any Pliny, particularly if it's younger. If you want to swap, we'll send you some St. Arnold Oktoberfest, and trust me, it's, a pretty, so it's a pretty fair trade. <laughs> it's a pretty fair trade because St. Arnold Oktoberfest is really good. Uh, but we we uh, I really do like this though, uh, Ian. I like this. It's better, delicious. Yeah, better than some of the um, you know barrel aged things that we've had. Better than better than some of them because of the sour cherry thing that's on the very very end of that finish. <clears throat> well, the tartness uh, wipes away a lot of that sticky sweet that you get in the uh, aftertaste. Mm-hmm. So there's almost no sweetness in the aftertaste. It's that tart cherry and then even that goes away and just leaves you with that I kind of want that, more. Yes, that astringency we It's were a little mouth-watering. It's it's really good. Would something like this work on draft? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Uh, I, Especially how- if they're Especially they if they're cleaning out their lines. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this this has a lot of tart. This has tart yeah. like Petrus's tart. Like this has a lot of that. I want to. Uh, I want to uh, thank uh, Mark uh, Nichols for being on the show this week. And Mark, if people have uh, heard what you're talking about and uh, they're interested in contacting you for um, uh, for your services, what's the best way to reach you? 
Uh, my cell, 713-283-2999. Did you say 713-283-2199? Oh, 2999. All right. All right. So that's how to reach him, and I'm... Pretty much going to guarantee you, this man will make the beer you're pouring at your place better. And he does. He is the beer poet, by the way. So if he comes in and like sets you up, then sit him down, pour him a beer, and and just talk beer with him. And just Cause remember, because he's, he's fascinating. To everything that, that goes through this line is touching your lips. Yes, exactly, and and the lining of your stomach. So yes. <laughs> so, all right. Couple things we need to know. the The next show is a landmark. Unbelievably now, this program has gone on for 99 episodes and no one has stepped in to try to I blame stop it. all of you fans um, yes. <laughs> because while some some of you are uh, encouraging and some of you aren't, you none of you have stopped us yet. That's right. None of you have, uh, have stepped in and done what probably needed to be done. <laughs> uh, and so we're still here. And next week we have invited, and I think uh, currently we've got about uh, about 20 to 25 RSVPs, and there'll be more, I'm sure, uh, before before this is done. But we've invited everyone who's ever been a guest on the show to come and join us for the show for next week. And we're going to have a whole bunch of mics, we're going to have a whole bunch of uh, spirits, a whole bunch of cigars, and a whole bunch of beer, and we're just going to taste and talk. Spirits, fine cigars, and great it's just uh, going to be a round table of the industry it's going to be so much fun i I can't wait i'm looking so forward to it our show as usual has been and will be brought to you by b&b butchers and restaurant at 1814 washington ave in houston and in the shops at clear fork in fort worth uh bacon 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 and uh uh, chef Tommy's bacon yes absolutely and uh, i just uh want to thank you guys 99 episodes number 100 coming this has been uh this has been a wonderful trip so far and we're looking forward uh to the next hundred smoking and toasting is a um uh well it's it's just kind of something we do as a labor of love until of course ian brings the uh uh, and then you question why you're doing it at all now just so you know i also have he sent not only the malort but he sent um, something called Besk, B-E-S-K. I don't know what it is, and I don't trust you, just um, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> and he said it, it's it's like Malort, but it's the better version of it. I'll bring that next time. Uh, no, I'm not worried about that. Also, I figure what we'll do is is uh, next week when we do the 100th episode we have everybody in the room, mm-hmm. I'll bring this and set it out on the counter just to see who is actually paying attention. Yeah. Uh, what, what I want you to do is to make a little mark at the level that that the liquid is in the bottle and then at the end of the show we'll look to see if anybody had even the tiniest bit of we'll, Malort. we will know them by their faces and we will know them by their faces isn't that a a, a, a progressive rock band uh have a uh, have a wonderful week my friends mark uh, thank you again for being on the show thank you uh, salute to uh, adam on the wheels of steel and uh, thank you to everybody who's gotten us now to 100 episodes uh, starting next Thursday, uh, Chris Hart from um, the Use of Whiskey Social. Sorry, we didn't get our segment in, but we'll 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 get to it, and it'll be fun when we get there. And uh, we'll talk to you and have some have some whiskey next week on the show. Uh, have a wonderful week, my friends. Thank you uh, again, Mark, for being here. And uh, with the la- very last bit I have of the uh, uh, of the stout here, cheers, my friends. Oh, four more. Let's do cheers, right? Cheers, cheers. Congratulations on Thank you, and we'll see you next week. Indeed. That's good.